everybody. Welcome to the Thai Podcast. This is our second episode. Uh, this is the podcast that's going to address everything church, everything education, everything Black. Um, it's my hope that through this podcast that people are um, not only educated, but enlightened and motivated to be the change that they need to be in their communities, in their schools, and just all around be better people. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can always know what's happening. Um, today, we are really going to be jumping into a subject that um, everyone is talking about, and that is COVID-19 and education um, and its uh, impact overall um, on parents, on the community, on schools, on teachers, on everyone. But before we get into the conversation, uh, we're going to go around and just do some um, really quick introductions. And uh, first, I'm going to throw it to the man, Baba Olomiji, Principal Baba Olomiji. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, first of all, Tavon, thank you for the invitation. I'll be a part of this conversation. And um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Baba Olomiji, and I am, I am an elementary school principal. So this has been something near and dear since March, since since March thirteenth. All right, Christina, you want to hop in there? All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Christina, but I just go by Chris. I'm here in Baltimore. I work at a local HBCU, and I am a mom of a rising fourth grader. Hi, everybody. My name is Tamika Peters. I am a Liberty Elementary School teacher. Third grade is my, my passion. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years, and yes, like Principal said, this COVID kind of came and changed my life. Well, thank you all for, like, jumping in here and being a part of this conversation. Um, as I was thinking about who to invite on this podcast, I was like, people tired of talking about COVID. It's been a, a really big part of um, just our lives in general and has impacted everyone in, in a different way. Um, I know that school systems <clears throat> around the country are battling right now. And so folks have had to make some really, really strategic decisions around um, how school's gonna look. Um, there's been a lot of talk about hybrid models where kids are doing a lot of virtual learning and then doing a little bit of in-person. There has been talk about fully in-person, there's been talk about fully virtual models. I'm gonna like kind of leave it there. And like Baba, from your perspective, what are your thoughts? What what's the right model? Is there a right model? What were you hoping for as far as what, what school looks like this fall? That's a good question. Um, I would preface by saying I don't think there is a, a, a correct answer to the question. For me, when I think about when I think about my children, I don't necessarily think about the model so much as what we're gonna have to do within the model. So what we're going to have to do is, first of all, really um, monitor and see where our children are. You know, one of the hard things about this moment for me is that this moment is you're further distant from your children. You know, so even though social interactions that are part of this, uh, of what make, makes education great, we don't necessarily have those. Um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, phone calls or like popping in the classrooms and things of that nature, you can gauge kids, but you can't gauge kids the same way I can when I have a, a kid in my office 
or I'm in the hallway talking to a third grader. So um, for me, the first thing I think about um, you know, bringing them back into this space and having them um, feel feel the love and value that comes with school. And then the second thing I think about is how do we continue to support children's development actively? Um, you know, where we know that um, our teachers did a great job. They did the best they could with the initial model last spring, but we know that um, there's going to be some recovery that needs to occur. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think like one of the most important things that you, you just talked about is just like that student experience, right? What is the impact of, of this on students? Um, and then also like, as we are thinking through these models, are we thinking about um, the people who are on the forefront doing this work? Like Ms. Peters, <laughs> um, Ms. Peters, again, is a, a, is a teacher, as she mentioned at, at Liberty, um, and so like, as you all have been thinking about these models, again, I know here in Baltimore, they announced a, um, a hybrid model to start the school year. Um, there was a lot of buzz about it. Um, the unions organized around it. Um, and then there was a, a decision made to open uh, fully virtual. What, what are your thoughts around, um, around that, Ms. Peters? The only model that will work right now is the model of safety. And um, that's what we have to put in the front. And in this nation, this world, we realized through this um, pandemic that that wasn't always in the forefront of anything. So having to even think about education and not think think about just the safety of our people. If, if your if your mind doesn't feel safe, if you don't physically feel safe, we're not teaching anything. So for me, I would prefer, I would love to go back in person. I have to be honest because I love teaching like that. I love touching to children. I love seeing their beautiful faces in that, in that close um, proximity, but that's not safe. And if I'm worried about catching it or they have it or a family member and all of this, no one's going to get any kind of value of education. So safety is the only way we can go, whatever way we can make that happen. It has to be safe. Those are the, again, like the tough decisions that like folks are having to make. Principal um, Olamiji said it earlier. I was on a town hall where Chief John Davis in Baltimore uh, was just mentioning like whatever model we come up with, not everyone's going to be happy. And I think like what it all boils down to is that every model will have implications, right? There's gonna be implications, gonna, there's gonna be consequences, there's gonna be like things that we have to rework. One group of people that this is heavily gonna impact will be our parents, just, just even down to their way of life, right? Um, a lot of places are starting to open back up and send folks back to work. And one thing that really doesn't align is our school system and the rest of society, right? We're starting to realize how heavily the rest of society depends on teachers and school systems operating the way that they do, right? And this, this pandemic has brought us to that point where it's like, oh, crap, if I don't have schools, if my kids are not in school, where is my kid? How do I work? How do I, you know, how do I earn a living? I'm going to throw it to um, Chris. Just like, how are you feeling about the various models that have been put out there? And like, as a parent, what are your thoughts? Honestly, as a parent, a working parent, 
um, this time has been absolutely stressful because the main priority is my son, his health, his education, and his growth, but I can't provide that if I can't provide for my family. So it's like I'm feeling stuck as if I have to choose, okay, do I choose to go to work and leave him to his own devices with a fully virtual um, experience where I have to be the IT person, I have to be the social worker, because this past end of third grade, he was one of the students that didn't do too well with virtual. He's very hands-on, he loves to communicate, he loves to be around people, Um, so he had a hard time transitioning. So uh, every 30 minutes, he wanted to sharpen his pencil, every two seconds, he wanted to look out the window, so it's like now I have to check on him every hour to make sure he's staying focused. So it's impossible, like this year, so because of the experience we had with our private school, we have now transitioned to a charter school and they are intense. So right now he's doing a summer intensive and it has made it very clear that it will be impossible for me to work physically at the university and provide everything that my son needs educationally, physically, emotionally. So right now it has been absolutely stressful. I think parents everywhere, not, you know, not just, just Christina struggling to figure out like, how do I I support my students? Teachers like Tamika, like, yeah, all of those things sound familiar. Social worker. Yep. That's me. Kid looking out the window. Yep. That's me. (laughs) That's what I deal with on a, on a daily basis. But, you know, parents are being, being forced to try to help their children in, in different ways. Um, there's so many, like, issues. Can I say that... one thing, though? Yeah, go ahead. Because of this experience, it has allowed me to have – I've always appreciated teachers because that I know that I'm one of those people that I cannot <laughs> be around children all day long. So, But because of this experience, it has deepened my appreciation for the work that teachers do in classroom and out of classroom, like the, it doesn't stop. Um, So on one end, I appreciate this experience because it has allowed me to look at my son in a different way. I've learned what his learning style was. I had no idea what it was before. And that makes a big difference in how I parent now. Um, So I do want to say that I appreciate teachers a whole lot more than what I thought I did before. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And this is this is hopefully hopefully when we come out of this like that like people don't lose that right um, and lose that sentiment and being able to to work and appreciate teachers on on a different level and just the amount of work that goes into it um, you know even even you know being a being a principal uh, like principal oh like you're you're never off I was just talking to him he's on vacation right. I know this brother, this brother not going to stop working for his kids. So he might be on vacation, but this brother's still going to be doing things for his school. I mean, for his school community. So, you know, we talked about, um, you know, some of the issues with each one of the models, whether it's a hybrid model or a completely virtual model, we know that there are um, an array of equity issues that come into play. I personally had um, this spring, my own um, kids doing virtual learning. And even for me, someone who works in education, someone who has a training in education, 
it's tough to have a full-time job, even when you're working from home, to have a full-time job and still cater to your kids and get them exactly um, what they need. Mm-hmm. But one thing I also noticed when I logged my kids on each and every day, that attendance was spotty all over the place. Like sometimes there was a, there were, um, you know, about 15 kids. And then some days it was like four kids. Um, I read various articles just about um, the fact that with the switch to virtual learning, a lot of schools um, saw very, very low attendance. And I think it's because we haven't really zeroed in and we're starting to now, but we haven't really zeroed in on some of these uh, issues of equity. Principle O, like when you, when you think about equity issues with fully virtual or with a hybrid model, what comes to, what comes to play for you? Um, a couple of things come to play. The first thing is um, even, even the story that Christina just referenced, um, the reality of the work of the parent and understanding that depending upon the work of that parent, that may influence why the child is not going to show up online as consistently as we all would want them to. Um, So that's one equity issue. Another equity issue, um, and I know it's one that we're all trying to tackle, is access to technology. Not only access to technology, but then access to um, internet access, um, all of those good things. That shows up as well. And then another um, equity issue that we discovered um, in our classes this spring is, um, you know, depending upon the adult and their educational experience, sometimes school is not a comfortable thing. So now school is in my house. I have anxiety because I don't want my child not to do well. But I have anxiety because I don't know or I don't understand what's coming across this screen. And so sometimes, um, you know, I had conversations with parents where that anxiety had caused them to kind of for a day or two and take a break because they felt overwhelmed. Um, The word overwhelmed showed up a lot this spring. And so those are all equity issues uh, wrapped around the fact that, you know, schools have been a source of of not only in-person stability, but food. Um, Food for a long time. And so with the closure of school, another equity issue that showed up is just, you know, who's hungry. And um, even with the pandemic raging on, I mean, yesterday, the um, $600 uh, plus up um, for unemployment ended um, Mm -hmm. for the moment, hopefully. So what I am now thinking about is another equity issue that keeps me up at night table. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't get a lot of sleep when I think about it is, um, are we going to have an explosion of homelessness Mm. uh, that's going to spill into our schools? And now that we are in a more disconnected space, are we now going to have children who literally are not in any school? So I'm not logging on. I just lost my home. So I'm no longer really attached to that school community. And now I may not necessarily go into another school right away, whereas traditionally in the past, I'm just going to go over to this school and enroll, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, you know, that, that equity issue right there, um, that, that, that robs me asleep. We have to be mindful. Like I've read, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and everybody has an opinion on what's going to happen. And, you know, we have teachers like, I'm not a babysitter. I'm not this. Pause. No, you're not with that label. But we need to be mindful that one, we have given for decades, centuries, whatever, parents, a sense of 
comfort knowing that my child is going somewhere that I can continue to do something. And while they're at this place, they're receiving a childcare like environment because I do care for my students. They are receiving food, they are receiving shelter, they are receiving an education and I'm giving them all of that and all of a sudden that's taken away. So when I read other teachers put, well, it's about time you took care of your kids, pause. You're being very inconsiderate. This is not something that they're used to. When I came to the States from Antigua, my mom knew she could send me to this school. I got what I needed. My parents could work and I came home and I was nurtured some more with my family. Parents don't have that anymore. And this society has not built itself to give parents the option to say, hey, I can stay home and take care of my kids the way I would love to. But if I do, like Principal Baba said, evictions are now going up. There's something on the news last night that 28 million people possibly in this world are going to be evicted. Come on. But we're fussing with each other because of a title? Get, come on now. I'm sorry. But when you said that, sir, that like rage, that was something that I, people who know me on my Facebook page, I said, don't talk to me about anything right now because you're irritating me. And I'm not trying to feel like I'm higher than anyone else or I have a educational privilege or anything like that. But where is our dag on humanity through all of this right now? This is the, and I, to hear that from his perspective is what I worry about. Am I going to see all my kids? Are they eating? Because be for real, we fed kids for years. That's how a lot of these programs started with the Black Panthers, helping families get fed. So don't act like it's a privilege because schools did that. No, this was a, a humanity basic need that even we like, now don't have. Even, even thinking about the fact of like kids not being able to, to log online, online because of, we have internet issues, right? Right. He's not being able to log on for various re reasons, whether it's computer issues, whether it's internet issues, whether it's I don't want nobody to see my house issues, whatever those issues are. Like then thinking about, will we ever be able to track down certain families again? Just like to even like check on them, right? Society, schools, districts, whatever, haven't built in those structures. And we're in a time period where even if we had those structures built in, it would be really hard, right? Because there's not that person-to-person -person interaction. I see you, Bob, but I saw your mouth open. You want to say something? And no, uh, because something, um, something Tamika just said, and then it, it even hit something that um, we got this morning. Um, we have two children who during, during the pandemic were taken into foster care, right? And um, my secretary texted me this morning that she had been able to get on FaceTime with them. Um, you know, she has a phenomenal relationship, especially with the young lady. It's a brother and a sister. And so these are the types of children that keep me up at night. Their father was murdered. They were just taken into foster care. So throughout the spring, you know, my secretary has been the point of contact from the school-based side, even with the children, um, you know, where we just check in on the children. And you know, when, when we think about school and what school represents, I think sometimes in this debate that's occurring, you know, even on CNN, um, we're missing that part of it, which is just well-being and humanity and the fact that, um, you know, the school has been the village, right? So now we're in a moment where the village, in terms of the physical center, is closed, 
So now we're all trying to figure out who can help us um, with that. You know, I, I was in a um, conversation about childcare for working parents the other day. And I, you know, I'm gonna, it's something I always flag is like, what can we think of who can help us to support working parents to therefore support children? You know, if I can know on a given day where all of my 300 children are, then I can go to sleep a little bit more comfortable than I woke up that morning. Um, we're going to have internet issues. The world's having internet issues. We're going to have um, issues of attendance. But, um, you know, one mantra that I stick to last spring, and I'm going to stick to again in the fall, is, you know, we teach who's there. We teach who's there. Um, we support who's there. And we work to, to support those, those who are not ensuring that, A, their general well-being is intact. We are still in the pandemic, um, you know, and our city is now, our city is on the White House list. You said a lot, right? Um, and, you know, Baba, you usually say, say what's on your mind, but, but I'm going to go ahead and, like, say this. Um, because I think a lot of school districts right now are focused on the academic side and not thinking about the other pieces, right? They're focused on how are we going to transition this said curriculum to a vir like virtual mm -hmm. facing. And I think like one of the things that we have to do as educators is we have to flip the script. And we have to make sure that we are um, worried about the well-being of families and children first, um, because we all know without basic needs, like you can kick academics out of the window, right? It's still important, and I'm not sitting here saying that um, teachers should should go back and and teach kindergarten content to to a group of second grade. I'm not saying that the rigor has to be there. But we have to start with making sure that families are okay, that children are okay, and that um, the, the most basic need, needs are met. That's, that's kind of where I stand. I want to kind of do a round robin of like this topic, COVID-19 and education, right? What's one thing that you want people to walk away knowing that we have to understand or knowing that we have to do in order to move uh, forward in a positive direction? Because we're not going to get it all right. Fall 2020, we will not get it all right. But we, we've got to get something right, right? So what are those things that we need to focus on? I'm going to start with Christina from a parent's perspective. What do, what do schools need to get right? What do districts need to get right? Teachers, other parents, what are your thoughts? I think the main thing for me is to accept the fact um, that everything right now is uncertain. Um, we don't know what's about to happen. We don't know how this is going to turn out. Um, so while you're planning, while you're coming up with plans, just keep in mind that the uncertainty is often what causes the stress and the anxiety um, on a parent side. Because for me, I like to plan. Um, I don't know what I'm planning right now. Um, do I need to quit my job? Do I need to continue working? Do I need to buy school supplies for the classroom at home, like I would say keep in mind the uncertainty is what is often the trigger of our anxiety and our being overwhelmed as a parent. That's the main thing. Because right now, um, hybrid works, in-person works, virtual works. It's just keeping in mind that we don't know what's about to happen. Yeah, I need, I agree with you. And as teachers, 
I need us to be mindful of that for our parents. You know, in certain conversations, I've heard parents say, well, they have, um, teachers say, well, they have this. Why they don't have technology? <laughs> I'm a, this is a living proof right now. I have technology right now, and my internet was going in and out. We need to be mindful of our parents and our students' well-being and where they are and also work towards that. If I can't get all my students on, I still can give a call. I still can say, are you okay? I can still go that extra mile to be like, listen, I understand you can't do this virtually, but you know what? I got a couple workbooks. Just just keep them moving, keep the brain moving, do stuff like that. If we do not get the humanity part back into this world, we are going to fail. 2020 is already going to be one of the worst and it's going to keep revolving and evolving until something horrible. We got to put humanity back. We have to be mindful of our parents and we have to be mindful of ourselves. If we as teachers are having a moment, feel confident in our leadership that we can go to our principals or counselors or whomever and say, you know what? I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm having this happening at home because a lot of teachers are parents, are caregivers. So we have all those factors as well, plus the pressure of, of having to be a teacher. And now we have, now we're just, now we're the essential workers coming up now. Now we're gonna be that, that group of people again. And just be mindful for that for ourselves. Yeah, you talked about something that we didn't, we didn't hit on in our time. Um, and that is like, what does it look like for an educator who is also a parent, right? You are at home and you're trying to educate uh, 30 kids via, via Zoom or via Google Hangouts or whatever, but you got your, <laughs> your two, three kids over <laughs> here <clears throat> running a rut, right? Like, um, and people aren't thinking about that portion. And so that humanity piece that you're talking about is huge because pa parents have to understand that. But also, guess who else has to understand it? Principals uh -huh. and school district have to understand that like as i'm working with teachers and training them and laying out these expectations that i still got life happening all around me on the other side of this screen so um that was a a really good good call out um when i said something about principals the the uh principal on the call tilted his head and leaned in a little <laughs> bit more well we got to understand what you talk about brother baba i'm gonna throw it to you what you know, what, what's the one or two things that we just, we have to get right? It, it, I, the best thing is like, even what we're focusing on this summer, what we've been focusing on all summer, which is that humanity and well-being piece. Um, you know, I have my, my front office, my attendance folks, I, I love my ladies. They are my fiercest soldiers and all, pretty much their work all summer long is, do we know where all of our students are? Are they okay? Um, if they were having attendance challenges, what were they? And then what can we do to um, kind of keep, so we've kind of focused on keeping our um, school open, even if it's closed, so to speak, um, whether it be, you know, continuing our robocalls, continuing to keep our information flowing out on Dojo, continuing to, um, you know, do home visits as needed, things of that nature. Um, just the humanity piece, because the, the technical pieces, like you cited, Tavon, they're not going to be perfect. This is not. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, these are children. And, you know, being that they're children, there's something um, about school that we, we just really have to hone in on the fact that they're missing. And we have to try to fill that gap, even if it's an interpersonal connection. I walked out of my building about a week and a half ago and some kids were walking back up the street from the pool. 
And, um, you know, they were just so excited, you know, just to see someone come out of the school building. Yeah. You know, um, even when, you know, we do go down to the school and folks are parked outside, invariably there will always be a child ringing on the doorbell because they see that somebody is at the school. Um, and so that is the part um, that's, that we all need to be mindful of is that, um, A, you know, the humanity and just the well-being of the children. Like, are our children okay? Um, and how can we help them be okay? I tilted my head at what you said um, because I think you're absolutely right because this, this, thing, this thing takes a chunk out of all of us. You know, I lost a relative um, mm -hmm. in, the, in, the begin, in the March, beginning of April, and I can even assess in myself how that impacted me even as I was still trying to take care of everything and everybody else over the months, uh, over the last two months of the school year. And that's going to, God forbid, but that's probably going to happen to someone on my staff, one of my students. Um, and we, like, we all have to keep that in mind because the technical work is our sense of normalcy. We all feel normal, you know, writing our emails and putting our documents together and all. Like, that feels normal, but then life comes in. And we have to keep be mindful of that and, you know, kind of give ourselves some space to um, process that and give others some space. Um, I'd share it with my staff and I'll share it again in August. If you need a moment, you just have to let me know and then we can adjust accordingly. Um, but you know, that the humanity piece, I think, you know, Tamika said it even, Tamika said it great, like these are, these are children and we have to, we have to be mindful of that in everything that we're doing. We do well, and I just hope they, I hope, I hope, we are given the space to do that, you know, like with so much policy and budgets and you got to do this and do this and all these rules and laws. I think with principals like you and events like this to hear that we do want to be back in a room. We do love what we do, but we have to put humanity first. We lost that in this, in this world of just keep moving, moving, moving. We lost that. And maybe things happen. Maybe this be our reset to know that, Hey, that curriculum going to be okay, but I need to make sure that this child is better than this so that they can move forward in life and grow to be productive citizens. And then real quick, I think we also need to listen to folks like Christina. Yes, yes, definitely. I think, I think we need to even, and that's even something I'm thinking about for the month of August, how do we create spaces, mm. even if they eat 10 feet apart on the back parking lot, how do we create spaces to listen to our parents and kind of really understand, um, you know, how this, how it felt on the other side of the screen. Yes. Um, not only how it felt on the other side of the screen, but um, even as we survey our parents, one of the big questions that I'm asking and then I'm, I'm pushing parents on are, are you working during the day? Mm -hmm. Because if you are, then we have to now be creative to come up with an option to support you in the evening. Yes, now, yes. One thing I wanted to flag while we're talking here is that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do differently even in this moment, mm -hmm. um, you know, to support our teachers, to support our parents, to support our students. This doesn't have to be um, a moment of gloom and despair. It can also be a moment of ingenuity. Yes. And, you know, that's the yes. We have to be creative. Um, you know, I'm pushing my after-school partner now um, to, you know, can we develop a virtual night school option? Yes. Parents, um, you know, hopefully we can get through the red tape to make that happen. But um, just do it. We just had to be creative because the reality, 
<laughs> see that I, to Tavon knows me well. This is this is this is combination <laughs> like this is combination policy, Baba. I'm I'm threading the line here. That's Got you, Arch. Tavon called me out a minute ago. I caught it when he said it. <laughs> but no, like no, I, no, it's it's gonna happen. I'm I'm over here and I, and I'm dying right because like you know <laughs> y'all know I'm trying to round this out real quick you know <laughs> so y'all can get back to y'all lives and like we we digging deeper. Here's the yeah. thing: before COVID nineteen happened, um, I um, have been drawing up um, a, a plan to open up a school here in Baltimore. I had already mm -hmm. started to work with um, work with some funders around it, and then COVID nineteen hit, and everybody's like, "What's happening with the school?" And I'm like, "The school's still happening, but what people have to realize is that funders in the funding community won't be looking for the same thing on the other side of COVID. Uh -huh. We've got to get creative about our models, and I think like one thing that that you said, Baba, was like, we got to think differently." Yes. Education has been done the same way Too for long. decades and decades and decades, and we're stuck. We're still, even, even though the, the universe is trying to make a shift, we're still stuck in this, this mode of this is what it needs to look like. And the reality mm -hmm. is to cater to our families, our communities, our, te our teachers, our principals, we got to make a shift, mm -hmm. right? And we have to rethink these models. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about like teachers. If I am, you know, home during the day and I, you know, I'm a teacher and I have my kids and my husband's also or my wife's also or whoever's also working during the day, um, then can I take a class and teach that class at night when I have more support at home? Those are the things that we have to think about. Those are the models that we have to cook up. And somebody that, that writes these regulations and these rules is going to have to come up off of that pen for a second um, yeah. and, and allow schools and allow teachers to get creative. Um, because listen. it's not. But, and that's, and that, that's the point right there, Tavon. Miss Peters just said it. Like, I can just be vulnerable for myself. One of the most, one of the most exciting moments for me this summer, um, especially with bringing in some really, really talented people that I'm excited about for my kids is building that larger table for planning. Um, last summer, you know, with it being my first year, I mean, it was really, it was really my head and a couple of other folks that I really trusted, but it was a small table. And this year we built a larger table. Um, my online learning team, which is comprised of teachers and interventionists, is uh, to me another day and I was just like this. Like I just sat back and smiled at just the ideas coming out about how to better develop the virtual structure for teachers and students. But, um, you know, we just had to build a larger table um, because none of, so we're all first year teachers in this environment. None yeah. of us know, none of us are experts in virtual learning. Like there's no, I see there's a book online and it's like best practices for distance learning. I'm like, how, how can it be? We only been distance learning for three months, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> they will make a lot of money though. But um, <laughs> so we, we all have to kind of take, take a step back and, and really maybe put our, our egos to the side and really be willing to like listen and learn. Um, the best virtual developer in my building last spring was my ed associate. She did a phenomenal job. She did a phenomenal job. And I just, I let her run because she had an idea. She just ran with it. And we had to, 
create some spaces to do that because in this space, nobody, nobody's an expert. Yeah. And I like you said about building the table. I know we're trying to wrap it up, but we, we talking now. Um <laughs> <laughs> Internet working. Let me, let me keep it getting. Let me keep it moving. Um, this with that table, listening to our parents, and we have to listen to them without our biases, without our privilege, without oh, you should do this, we should do this. These, it affects me. Okay, as a teacher, but I'm gonna be okay. I'm not struggling right now with myself on what I gotta do because I know how to teach. But as a parent, like I said earlier, they are. The parents and our families have to be at that table. And we have to take the time mm -hmm. to listen to each one because everybody's life and everybody's situation is different. No, we're not going to get it all right. No, we're not mm -hmm. going to please everybody. But guess what? If you're doing it with the right intentions, with the right heart, we can build this. And like, this is new to all of us. So I'm going to do something that probably I shouldn't have done. I'm probably going to, hey, skip a page in a book that maybe I should have read. Cause I don't know right now. I don't know what September 12th was gonna look like for me. I could plan it, but it doesn't mean it's gonna happen. And if I have to, and teachers, we have to get it out of our mind too. We have some teachers that are not, that are great educators, great teachers, but we gotta now have to be creative. We need to dig into that part of life and be okay with it. Be okay with, if, if, Christine, if Chris said, um, you know what, Ms. Peters, this does not work for me. What can you do? Me personally, okay, let's be for real. I'm not sitting at the computer eight hours. So if you need me to log on from three to four to help you out, I can do that. That contract needs to go out the door. Those union rules need to go out the door. And I'm the union rep, so I'm telling you I'm saying this in my meeting. Because we need to be able to make sure that these sets of families feel good. No, I'm not going to be on 24 hours for everybody, but I can, I can set up three office times. I really can. And for I would just go over the same curriculum and same content and make sure that my families feel heard. We got to do it. We have I think we it. need to get back to um, family and yeah. not just parents, teachers. We need to treat each other like family because mm -hmm. I would check in on my son's teacher. Like, are you okay? Because this is a lot for you as well. And I feel like if we build that environment of support on both sides and we're both working together, then we can get through this together. Whereas if we're separate, it's not going to work regardless of what the plan is. If we're both working separately, but if we bridge that gap and work together as a family, yes. then we can get through this. And, and live in evidence, not assumption. Yes. One, one of the things that drove me crazy last spring was assumptions about why kids weren't getting online that mm. weren't based in evidence mm. so if you if you can tell me that you know for all 20 students if you can give me an anecdotal reference as to why each child didn't get online i'm fine with that but if you're just saying well these kids don't want to get online you don't know that because hey maybe mm. you don't have a relationship with a parent like christina because one of the biggest things that came out of this that i learned is that folks who had really really strong parent relationships their engagement was high, their connection was high, all that good stuff. Folks who did not, um, it was in a different place. So, you know, even um, for me, and I own it, I joke with people all the time. I, in my bias, former middle school person, I thought class dojo was that thing that pains for behavior. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, um, it. <laughs> it was a colleague, um, a great elementary school principal who mentored me on dojo. So I already had my page up and going. 
But then once we hit COVID, it went into overdrive in terms of keeping information out. But then I'll be honest, Tavon, I got humbled because now I'm looking on some pages and you haven't posted on your school stories all year long. Right? So now I'm like, you know, I have to own that as as the leader of the building. Like, there's no way there's a, a real strong two-way street here because you there's never even been any open engagement, especially for parents who are looking for that. So that's one area I can say for cert certain we're going to be better at this year. But, um, you know, just we have to live in evidence, not assumption, because those cultural assumptions have been plaguing our children for a long time. Yes. And even in this moment, um, we can't keep doing that. It was never fair, but it's especially unfair now because we don't know. We don't know. I mean, we don't know if you, we don't know if parents lost their job. Yep. Um, you know, what's normal for us, you know, we're all blessed to be working. And I've, you know, said it probably throughout the pandemic, it was a blessing to continue to be working. Mm -hmm. As you saw that, you know, the country around you collapse. I mean, just because things are open doesn't mean that part of life isn't over. Um, you know, um, Tamika said it best. We're looking at 28 million Americans possibly being homeless. You know, the, the great the great recession of 2008, it was 10. Now we're talking about almost triple that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, that's going to show up. That's going to show up in school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we act as if all these things around us aren't going to show up at our door. That, that will show up at our door. And then how do we treat that? Mm -hmm. I think that'll measure us more than anything is how we treat that. Um, do we treat that with a level of love, respect, and empathy? Or do we kind of live in assumption um, and further, you know, impact people who are already being impacted? That's not Yes. And putting our own assumptions, like you said, our own assumptions and bias on everything. Because for me, um, with my students, it was crazy. I had one student that had mom and dad, they, they always there. And her participation went down. Come to find out when I called just on a humble, um, both mom and dad were essential workers. So it was hard for them to make sure she was doing anything. So don't worry about it. I'm going to send you a couple books. We're going to do this. I'll check in weekly. And I still gave her the school because we have to do that. We have to make those connections, be that bridge, like Christina said, and just like be open and be honest. And I had, like her, I had a couple parents that checked on me because um, we thought my father, he, we had a little scare with my dad in the beginning, found out was just a cold and allergy, but he's like almost 70. So of course my nerves are bad. I'm still trying to teach. And I'm still trying to do all of this. And the parents heard about it, of course, through somebody, I don't know who, and they checked on me. And that made me show that I did build a good relationship with my my families, that they made, made this transition really not, I can't say easy, because it wasn't, but really manageable for me. And one thing that comes to my mind real quick, and I know we're trying to wrap up, is we're going <laughs> to, no, we're going to continue to need those spaces. Um, like like the one that you have developed, Tavon, um, with, with your organization where you have organizations and um, folks, not just yourself, but just your whole team that understand um, that these conversations about equity, race, um, humanity are as part of, as much a part of getting people ready to teach as content and pedagogy. Um, you know, that's been, you know, you and I had that conversation the other day, but that's been one of those cultural shifts I've seen in that organization over the past four or five years that has been largely transformative in beginning the conversation to shift the mindset. We all know what grown people 
You ain't gonna flip somebody's mind with one conversation or one book. But the space is now being held to have that conversation. And even um, as you know, folks get ready to come to buildings, um, we'll come to virtual buildings this fall, understanding that, you know, we, we really have to understand the space that we're operating in and understand that all spaces aren't equivalent. I joke about it all the time. When I got to the neighborhood I served in, I had never worked there before. I have spent the, over the past year getting an education. Mm-hmm. And I'm still getting an education. And yeah. so for folks who are coming into this work, your education is now double. Yep. You now, you know, you're now getting educated in your neighborhood, but you also have to get educated on what's impacting learning in this moment. Yeah. Um, and, and and being mindful of that. And even um one thing you said, Tamika, that I appreciate is even being willing to, you know, take some of these agreements and put them to the side for what's best for kids. Um, you know, because there are no there are no rules to this. Yeah. You know, um, my I can't even tell you the number of hours I spent on this computer. Right. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we all have to be willing to do that. Um, you know, and like I said, going back to you, Tavon, that space is so important right now because um, our, our teachers need that, especially because our, our folks that come, are coming in new, nobody's ever come in new to something like this before. And they have to understand the, the issues that um, are going to impact the learning spaces that they're going to try to build um, come September. Yeah. And I just hope this to me also will show, I guess, what's the term survival of the fittest or something like that, but basically also show the people who are genuinely in this for love. And that, and, and again, I'm not talking down to our, my teachers. I love my profession. But in just reading some of these postings and hearing some of these conversations, it's gonna weed out those ones that genuinely, I feel like don't have the love for this, that can't seem to understand that at this point, this is new to everybody. And the way we were teaching two years ago is not the way we're gonna teach this year and hopefully not going forward at all. So if this is how I have to do it, and I, know, and I still want my paycheck, Let's be for real. We still want that. I have to prove that I'm willing to work in whatever capacity I can. No, I'm not going to work at midnight. But if a parent needs me from four to five, I should be able to be there for them in a way. Or if I can't make another time that keeps me sane, keeps my family sane, keeps my friends sane, we just got to open up. We have to, we have to actually open up and get into our inner souls and our inner beings. And especially as of educators of color, I'm going to put them out there on the forefront. First, we've been doing this. Our ancestors have been doing stuff like this. It's time for us now to get into that realm of our spirits to now show the world that we can do this. And it has to be done. That's how I feel. <laughs> I think um, one thing to, to round us out that I'm going to pull out what, what, um, of what you said, Tamika, is that we cannot come out on the other side of this the same way that we went in. We have to learn something from all of this. And again, like we, we can't uh, revert back to the, to the same structures, to the same way of building relationships with families and communities. We can't do it. Um, think, you know, things are going to have to be different on this side. So my charge to everyone is just be flexible. 
Um, and as Tamika said, remember that humanity piece, flexibility, and that humanity piece, I think, will take us a long way um, as we as we deal with COVID-19 um, in schools and education. I love y'all. Um, thank you for the work that y'all are doing on a daily basis. Um, thank you for hopping on here to, to share uh, your brains with the people because, you know, people don't know. Um, you know what's happening what what it's going to be like i mean just to hear your voices and your opinions uh means a lot um but guess what i'm tired and it's time to go um so we're going to close <laughs> out i like that <laughs> i like that you did that you did that one right there <laughs> and we'll see you next time on tired talking